Welcome to the Comfortable in Chaos Podcast. Podcast. Strangle your demons and let's go. Y'all need Jesus! Lots of Jeffrey's money, Lord. I want the pie in the sky. Welcome to the Comfortable in Chaos podcast. I am your host, Eric Helberg, and we haven't said it for a while. But let's mention Einstein again, baby. We're like him. Not in brain power. Just in his mantra of having no special talents... We are just passionately curious, passionately curious about the news of today and all things pertaining to men. How in the hell did we get here and where is it that we want to go? And boys, we began a series. I already published it. We're taking a different take on the Jeffrey Epstein debacle. And I entitled it Epstein's Epiglottis, right? We've got a flap between factions, a flap between facts, a flap between what we know and don't know, and a flap between what we have been told and what we have not. Much of it is obvious, and that's the average reporting And people could have reported on all this much earlier, but they were coerced not to. I tell you, these powerful circles all work together. But it's really kind of just business as usual. And as we talk further along, you'll find out there's people out there, purported feminists, that probably knew, one, because of their Jewish ethnicity and or religion, the circles that they run in, and the power players that they grab ass and handshake and extol their virtues that perhaps these feminists may have actually uh, turned the other cheek, as we say, when they could have and should have, and really, they did notice what had been going on all along because Jeffrey's behavior was very prevalent all the way back when he was a calculus and physics teacher. Now, I'll give him that. He must have been very smart. We know he's a college dropout, but he obviously had some mathematical gifts. Maybe that was extended to his financing days that were soon to be. But we know from other students there and parents at the Dalton School, the Dalton Prep School there in New York, that high schoolers would be having parties and they would be drinking. Oh, yeah, high school students do that. But what is very uncommon is that a particular teacher would show up at the festivities, especially when young girls were involved. And that young girls, high school girls, were given an inordinate amount of attention from teacher 
Epstein. My goodness. Did we have a psychopath in the making back then? I don't know. Don't know much about his parents. Maybe it's just bad genes. Well, let's consider that, shall we? And then let's go back to what I said that he ended up tutoring after hours. Alan Greenberg's, or his nickname on Wall Street, was Ace Greenberg, who with his combined 60 years of experience held many positions within the trading house behemoth, one of the mainstays of Wall Street, Bear Stearns. And of course, he ended up being CEO, also chairman of the board, everything known to man. Immense pull, an immense eye for talent. He knows what that industry takes. And you know what? He brought old Jeff aboard when Jeff was let go at the Dalton School for substandard performance and or some form of wrongdoing. He said, like Bob Barker did, Come on down, Jeff Bear Stearns. Although we're one of the preeminent brokerages in the entire world, you've got a place with us, son. Come on in, my Jewish son. All right. Well, he gets there. And man, he starts working his way up the ladder. And I believe in just simply four years, he was made limited partner after just four years at this investment house. But then, one year later, actually less than one year later, he was let go after being made a limited partner at Bear Stearns from, for some type of financial irregularity, what's known as a reg D violation. I have no idea what it is. I'd have to look it up. Why even bother with those specifics? We're getting a general feel here, right? But despite him being let go at Bear Stearns, he remained close to good old Ace Greenberg. And did you know he remained a client? Not them, a client of his, but he was a client of theirs until its collapse in 2008. That means... He had funds, money there with Bear Stearns. I was always told you could follow the money, but I never heard anything about Bear Stearns holding on to Jeffrey Epstein's assets and or having any of them, and by then he had already been prosecuted in the state of Florida. They may have been going on somewhat simultaneously, and then we know that the government said that Bear Stearns was one of those firms that was too big to fail. Therefore, they proffered a deal and got old good old J.P. Morgan Chase and Jamie Diamond to do a bailout package. I believe that was $27 billion and another $30 billion loan backed by the good old U.S. Treasury, but done through J.P. Morgan Chase as their conduit. What happened to following the money? Let's hold on to that concept. Then, after his release, good old Jeff founded his own consulting firm, 
known as intercontinental assets groups. Now, from what we understand, he was assisting clients in recovering stolen money from fraudulent brokers and lawyers. Jeff Epstein described his work at this time as being a high-level bounty hunter. Hmm. Interesting. I know a little bit about finding people and things. I've told you it in many of my episodes, right? You strategically place your efforts. If you don't find said equipment you're looking for, you have to get that equipment back to you. Therefore, it requires cultivation of the people involved. And we go round and round and round. Some are friends, some are foes. But old Jeff was even a high-level bounty hunter. I had no idea. Without protection, I don't think Jeff would... uh, Yeah, I don't think he'd survive. (laughs) He wouldn't survive a day on the streets in most of the areas that I worked. Okay. Very nice. He even told his friends that he sometimes worked as a consultant for governments and the very wealthy to recover embezzled funds. And he even worked for clients who had embezzled funds. Can you imagine this? In this short period of time, let's say five years now from after his departure from the high school, he either demonstrated remarkable financial acumen, which is possible, or maybe he was simply put into a position so that he could cultivate client, excuse me, contacts, contacts, of which, hell, he already had one of the biggest. He had the right-hand ear of the chairman of Bear Stearns. Okay. Epstein even said at that time to some people that he was an intelligence agent. And people knew him to possess an Austrian passport. The name was a little sketchy on there, but it showed his place of residence as Saudi Arabia. Wow. Did you know when he was prosecuted in the Southern District of Florida, not just the Southern District of Florida, it was done by the U.S. Attorney, Jim Acosta. Well, he was told Jim Acosta to go easy because here's his direct quote. I was told Epstein belonged to intelligence and to leave it alone. And that Epstein was, quote-unquote, above his pay grade. That is really, really something. Mm -hmm. Did you know during that period, after he got the sweet plea deal and just kept on trucking along, doing all of his good stuff, one of Epstein's clients was now Saudi Arabian businessman and arms dealer. Adnan Khashoggi. Remember him? The middleman in moving weapons from Israel to Iran. As part of a good old Iran-Contra in the mid-80s. Okay. Well, we know that Epstein traveled multiple times between the U.S., Europe, and Southwest Asia. He was also pretty friendly with uh, Douglas Lease, a defense contractor. Wow. Well, let's think about all this. Let's think about all this. We know his uh, 
his business dealings flourished. More people seemed to be attracted to him. But then he hooked up with a guy by the name of Stephen Hoffenberg as a consultant. And they tried to take over, become corporate raiders, and take over a couple of airlines. I tell you, Jeff is on the move. How all this came to be, I really don't know. But the crazy thing is, is this went on, and in 1993, their company, Towers Financial Corporation, imploded. Did you ever hear about this one? We heard about Madoff. But it was exposed as one of the biggest Ponzi schemes in American history at that time. And in 1993, it lost over 450 million U.S. dollars. That's the equivalent to just under a billion dollars in 2022 money. And that Epstein left the company and was never charged with any type of involvement in the massive investor fraud. You lose half a bill at that time, a bill at this time, of your U.S. investors' money, and you walk away unscathed? Who was Jeffrey Epstein then? Very interesting indeed. So after the Hoffenberg-Epstein Towers debacle, old Jeff was ready to found his own financial management firm, J. Epstein and Company. And he bragged, Jeffrey did, that it had been formed to manage the assets of clients with more than $1 billion U.S. money net worth. Boy, that's pretty auspicious, I tell you. That's some serious street swag, man. That's some cojones, dude. But interestingly enough, the only known billionaire client of Epstein, according to Bloomberg Financial, that's a pretty reputable uh, business periodical, was good old Les Wexner. For those of you who don't know who Les or Leslie Wexner is, that's the chairman and CEO of L Brands. Think the Limited, right? Abercrombie and Fitch. Bath and Body Works back in the day. And of course, ooh, the pornographer's playpen, Victoria's Secret. Did you know within the year? Epstein was granted. Here we have a full-fledged business tycoon who has now become Epstein's only client. And within a year, this is an establishment, established. Within a year, Epstein was granted full power of attorney over Les Wexner's affairs. It let him hire people within the company, sign checks, buy and sell properties, borrow money, do anything else of legally binding nature on Wexner's behalf. He built his yacht, the Limitless. Oh, yeah. Did you know that townhome where we found that beautiful painting of good old Billy Bob Clinton in the blue dress and high heels leaned over on the couch? 
was afforded to Jeffrey Epstein for the small sum of $1 by Les Wexner? Wow, Brownstone Apartment in Manhattan. By the way, it was only a block and a half down from Bill Cosby's and Gloria Steinem, the big feminist. What I find peculiar about uh, the feminist out there right now, especially Gloria Steinem, and you know what, even old Gloria all red now, because my guess is, is that both of these ladies knew the Clintons. They knew a lot of these principles. They all ran in the same circles. They partied with them. They cavorted with them. They didn't know anything about Jeffrey Epstein? Hmm. Well, we know Steinem's dad was a Jew. Mm. Gloria Allred? Jewish too, right? But they don't know about good old Jeff. They live in the same hood. They run in the same circles. But when I guess that it is your boys that are creating mayhem and causing trouble, remember? After old Billy Bob Clinton was in trouble, it was actually Gloria Steinem that wrote a piece on his behalf in the newspaper. My goodness. Bill had been preying on women, but this feminist at that time just saw fit to, I guess, take the man side. And now I know Allred, the good old press hound, and of course very wealthy attorney, is now representing victims of Jeffrey Epstein, and rightly so. They do need justice. But there's a lot of money at stake there. Remember all this untrackable money? Untrackable money. We don't know where it came from, where it went, but yet Gloria Allred has taken these cases, and certainly not for free. She knows that money is somewhere, and she's going to get her hands on it. But it is quite puzzling to me why this champion, Gloria Allred, of feminist causes, didn't go after Jeffrey Epstein when my guess is she probably knew all about him, and certainly after he'd made a plea deal in 2008, but continued to flourish while he was still alive. Hmm. Well, I guess while all that was still going on, her feministic bent was a little less, would we say, stalwartness. I guess once he passed away, then it was okay to go after the money that was available. We didn't care about the women before, but we certainly do now. And isn't it also a little bit odd that the only person currently locked up are feminist darlings is a lady. All these men are running around scot-free. Of course, Epstein's dead. But what about all the others? Hmm. Kind of an uh, interesting twist of fate, I would say. The only ones who have gotten the shaft so far, no pun intended, are Ghislaine. And of course, all the ladies, girls at that time, who were subjected to these horrors and the tragedy. And my gut tells me, you ladies already knew all about this, but you turned a blind eye. The people involved were simply doing what people that are involved 
at these levels of power simply do. Okay. Hell, man. If I had the Mossad running cover for me, <laughs> well, in all honesty, it would have taken some time, right? When a capable man sits in front of a capable man, stands in front of a capable man, whatever the venue is, and they have to size each other up. And there is the potential for harm when shit-talking starts occurring. And you are trying to ferret out information. And you don't have the ability to <gasps> offer these tantalizing gifts. Well, that's when skill really comes into play. And that's where sometimes peril comes into play. But that would never occur with any of these men. They are all very weak men. Therefore, subject to the easy road. They rely on other men to protect them, to guide them. To move them along. And when you offer these weak, yellow-bellied, soft-bellied, think snakes that crawl on the ground type of men, these type of perks, shall we call them, they'll grab on them like a dang three-year-old to a lollipop. They just can't help themselves. So, yeah, I think they did a more effective job than it probably, uh, than it would have taken me. It would have been some arduous work, but we certainly could have got there. Blackmail is a powerful tool. And when you need to shape policy, meaning how you interact with other countries that have influence on your day-to-day -day life, meaning the day-to-day -day life in Israel, and how its arms extend into the world and also hold its hands up in order to protect itself from the world, and also how you deal directly with Israel. You need some men and policymakers in your pocket, don't you? That makes perfect sense. But I digress. So, what happened to Jeff? What happened to good old Jeff and his financial tenure? Well, by 1996, he changed the name of his firm from J. Epstein to Financial Trust Company. There's a lot of trust there, baby. And did you know for tax advantages, he based it on the island of St. Thomas. Now we're getting closer to the Lolita Express and the good old island. Good old St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And you know what happens when you re relocate to the U.S. Virgin Islands? It is an offshore tax haven. At least it was at that time. I believe they've certainly tightened up the banking secrecy laws. But you're able to reduce your federal income taxes by 90%. That means you're really just responsible for 10% of your income. Do you think our U.S. government, the IRS, the Department of Treasury, when you have someone like Jeffrey Epstein, wouldn't they be interested to the penny 
of what goes in and out of there because you still have the advantage when you're in the U.S. Virgin Islands of the tax deferral or really the abolition. But you have the same advantages of still being part of the U.S. banking system, meaning the ability to bring money in, send money out anywhere in the world and through U.S. banks as well. So they could definitely monitor all of this. And if they're now only getting a 10% cut, potentially, wouldn't the IRS want every one of those pennies? Hell, you Venmo someone over 600 bucks, 600 bucks or more, they know your banking institution. They know who to whom it went. What's the W-9 for, right? Any good or service provided to you that you pay for, whether it's done corporately, unless it's done to a corporation, but they track that too. They have your bank account. Or to an individual, they get a W-9 with their information filled out. The IRS, the Treasury, really the whole hodgepodge of alphabet soup agencies know where you bank. Every single account, if you attempt to do something more elusive and it's meaningful to them, they'll know that as well. There is no place to hide. Al Capone killed how many people directly and indirectly, but they got him on tax evasion. Follow the money. But for some reason, we have no idea where Jeffrey Epstein got his money from. When these copious amounts were deposited, when the money came in, when the money left out, for some reason, either they were wholly unconcerned, maybe Jim Acosta was right. Part of an intelligence operation. Or they simply did not care. And with these volumes of money, I would believe that they did care. But they had another job to do, which was to not pay attention. So even though they could have followed the money and found out everything, and we would be talking right now to all the people who had received money from Epstein, where all the money coming to Epstein was from, you'd be hearing about all that instead of Bill Gates, Prince Andrew, and Bill Clinton. Isn't that a little bit more important? I mean, what we're talking about is, you know, taking down an OG on a on a neighborhood that he controls, maybe a great house with some few kilos, I don't know, maybe a million bucks, but you leave the guys that set him up that are down south and really big, unscathed, it's kind of the same thing, right? It's a little bit ineffectual. So we will leave this one here with let's follow the money and let's get into a little bit more about maybe Les Wexner, Glenn Dubin. Of course, we've got to get into Ghislaine. We've got to get into Robert, Right? Glenn was the conduit from Robert to Jeffrey. Robert was part of all of this. 
let's see where it goes. So until next time on the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast, I bid you bon voyage, my burgeoning flock. Until next time, like and subscribe to the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast.